0: This is Restless. Pastor Michael, that wonderfully relaxing music means we have started once again the Restless Podcast, a postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I am your host, Matt. I'm joined as not always, but as almost always, Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael, how are you doing today? I am doing well.
1: Um, I'm sure that our regulars will know that I still don't sound very nice as far as like my mic situation. Mm. Uh, Matt graciously uh, said it was okay if I didn't drive all the way to where I have my nice mic set up for recording today because it just uh, practically was going to be a, a bit more difficult. And so you're hearing a maybe slightly less good quality mic, but I will try to make it up in content, right? I will try my best to make it up in solid content for you today, um, but I'm doing well. We are, we've just moved. Uh, my my family and I bought a house right next door to the house that I'm actually sitting in right now. <laughs> and dream. I know, and I've not fully moved out yet, but we're basically living in a new house and getting new carpet in it today and uh, carpet and some vinyl flooring in another room. And so we're we're not quite moved in, but we're close to moved in still sleeping on the floor on a mattress, but we're hopeful that relatively soon that will be done. And all of the furniture will be out of our garage and into the house. And we can begin to host people again. Um, so a lot of good, exciting things um, happening in the Bowman household, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, as we have come to the end of winsome winter and it's over, it's over. It's gotta be over. We did just get snow. But it's got to be over (laughs) because we because the rest of the country can't keep holding out with us to keep saying, well, it's still actually kind of winter here. This is you guys have to experience a Wisconsin winter because this is what it's like a week
1: ago today. It was almost 90 degrees. Two days ago, we got a 15 inch snowstorm in La Crosse, at least where we live. Uh, We got about 15 inches of snow. And right now, it most of it's melted. Um, it's it's mostly melting at this point.
0: So if you live in Colorado or Utah, this is kind of the weather you guys get um, throughout the winter. But we are moving on. And after having done the series with um, Second Peter, thinking through the virtues of the Christian life, which we know while not wildly downloaded or popular, we really enjoyed creating for ourselves we decided to do another series similarly. Pastor Michael, we we don't give the people what they want all the time, do we? <laughs> we,
1: I, I like to think that we give the people what they want and then we also give them a little bit of what we want, you know, just a little bit of both. We just do a little bit of both. It's, you know, it's like, hey, you've got the steak. Everybody wants it. And then you've got those three pieces of broccoli that they bring with the steak, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, it's a side. It's, you know, you're eating your vegetables. Um, and th- that's kind of what we're doing right now. Although I, I, I wonder if maybe it'd be better if we said we are the steak. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: yeah. We're I maybe probably, just
1: made it sound horrible in the analogy, but.
0: Hopefully we are the full steak dinner each week is a, <laughs> is part of the course, but one thing we will be discussing, we have decided that our series here, um, probably for the rest of the year, as we do other things, will be going through the apostles creed, I believe the Apostles' Creed, and there are two reasons for choosing this um, in my mind, and and I will uh, discuss the one related to the Young, Restless, and Reformed, and then the one discuss- related to my own personal uh, history with it, and then Pastor Michael can talk about his personal history with it. So it's very interesting as the Young, Restless, and Reformed was teaching us, right? Oh yeah. We want to be like, we want to get involved. We want to learn like from Luther and Calvin. We want to learn reform theology. It's very interesting. I don't know if at any point I came in contact with the apostles creed online or in person while I was deep in the young restless and reform. Uh, how does that, does that experience match your understanding Pastor Michael, or is that different for you?
1: So I could not tell you, I just don't have a great memory. Um, I try to remember things as best I can. Uh, Obviously, we have recounted a lot of memories in this podcast journey that we're on. Um, And I will just say right now, everything you've heard me said, you have every right to question some because my memory is just not good. Mm. And especially before I had kids, it was like, once I got married, it was like, I I don't even remember what life was like before getting married. And then I had kids and I was like, I don't, I don't think I ever existed without children. Did I like, was that, is that something that I did? Uh, so I don't have a, a memory of like the first time I was introduced to the Apostles' Creed. Um, I, I definitely didn't grow up with it like all around. Um, you know, I maybe saw it here and there, but it, it wasn't like a regular part of the discipleship of the evangelical church I grew up in or the tradition I grew up in. And so I, you know, I can't think of, I can't think of having it around. And I don't, I definitely don't remember being exposed to it in my early, you know, YRR days. Uh, But at the same time, I also know that, you know, it was during that time that I began to be exposed to a lot of more you know, um, seminary resources and things like that. I think it's very possible that this was around in some of that. Um, I just don't have enough of a memory to say for sure it was.
0: No, that makes sense. And as I went back and looked, you can find mentions of it. In fact, later, probably about after I had stopped, kind of lost interest, Matt Chandler did do a sermon series through um, the Apostles' Creed, So, again, it wasn't that it was totally formed, but it was not viewed as central by any means. It wasn't something that we were reintroducing on a on a large scale in the young, restless and reform, which for a lot of reasons is interesting. Right. That this needing to reeducate evangelicals on central theology, this was not a major emphasis um which i think we are as we get through this episode introducing the apostles creed and what it means to believe it we will discuss why that might have been a miss now my personal experience with it is there there are two experiences i have of that are i familiar. love this
1: experience by the way i love i know you've mentioned it on the podcast before but i love every time you bring it up
0: and there's i have one and then i'll bring up a new one so i won't keep doing the same same <laughs> song and dance um with your stake. The first time is when I was in college, and I was very much in the Young Restless and Reformed. I was helping lead Bible studies as a college student, to whatever degree that was a good idea or not. And I'd begun meeting with a Reformed pastor, and I remember just feeling totally perplexed about some of the guys in my Bible study, right? Some of them seemed to be growing in their faith or reading the Word. Some didn't seem as interested, but Maybe they were just busy engineering students and, you know, they just, and I, so I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a good framework for understanding their faith or if they had it, or if, if I should be like trying to lead them all in like an altar call every week at Bible study. And so I finally went and I asked this pastor, I said, you know, how, how can I know if the guys, um, in my Bible study are Christians. And he, he looked at me and he just said, oh, that's a great question. And he said, do you know if, have you ever asked them if they believe the Apostles' Creed? To which I responded, no, because I don't. That's a Roman Catholic thing. <laughs> and <laughs> and this pastor, again, God oh bless him, <laughs> you know, sat there patiently and mentioned like, well, it's not. This is a thing that Christians have confessed basically universally forever. And so I think that this, this, um, uh, does demonstrate the, the views a number of young evangelicals have towards things like creeds. But, but here's my second experience. When I was joint, when I was enrolling at RTS seminary, when I was filling out my application paper, um, you have to profess the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. There could be others on the form. You have to say, like, you affirm these things.
1: Yeah. Did they make you affirm the Athanasian Creed?
0: I'm not sure. It could. They could. Um. But right. It, but I had. I was sitting there filling out this form, this application, and I went, "Man, what does it mean to affirm these? Mm. On what basis do I affirm these? I was familiar with them at this point. And would have said I believe them, but I was thinking through like, what? I mean, I believe the Bible is. Am I? How do I answer this question as to what it means to to tell them this is? These are what I believe as I enter. And I think for a, a, a probably a larger group of our audience who is not going to be, I don't think we're going to have a lot of people. We'll have some um, who are younger who might still be opposed to the use of creeds. But I think for a lot of people, it's still confusing as to these aren't scripture, but a seminary can require you, and there's something we use in church to affirm our faith. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe I'll add that, you know, the first time that I was ever at a church um, that regularly used the creed. Um, was at the church that I'm currently pastoring, so I started attending the church before I became a pastor, um, before I was ordained, before I even knew I would, you know, uh, be sticking around. Even, um, and so it was, you know, pretty close to a decade ago at this point. Um, and at that point, I was well aware of the Apostles' Creed, um, like you said, was very, you know, uh, very willing to say, yeah, I believe everything that this states. Um, but then, this was the first time I went to a church where we would regularly uh profess it, right? We would regularly confess our faith by using the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene creed. and and that was different, where it became like a regular part of of my piety. you know, like a regular part of of worship and piety was confessing these things. Um, And so I do think that probably within the last decade is when I really, you know, began to um, grow in my uh, appreciation for these things like creeds. But then particularly as we are talking about the Apostles Creed for the Apostles Creed.
0: Mm. So let's let's I guess we better start with the most uh, basic question, which would be, well, why why creeds at all? Why do we need creeds? Um it can we, you know, is it even right to try to tell Christians there is a statement? And I assume we will both agree that the apostles' creed is not scripture, it is not God breathed. So then how did, can we do Did tell it come
1: people? from the apostles, Matt? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we'll a talk good about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it.
0: <laughs> um but Why, why can we uh, tell, why, why, why do Christians have to affirm things like creeds?
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, you think about the, the popularity of the idea of saying something like, well, I don't need a creed. Um, I have Christ, right? No creed, but Christ. Or, um, well, you know, I don't need a creed. I have the Bible.
0: We believe the Bible. Yeah.
1: We believe the Bible. We don't need a creed. well you know if i was to ask you you know what is it that you believe my guess is that if i just asked you that question you would not begin well in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and and you just would read through the whole bible right mm-hmm. because that's impossible <laughs> right uh, and so all of us do this all of us use basically what we might call uh you know a creed um to uh, condense and summarize mm-hmm. what it is that we actually believe. And actually, when somebody is unwilling to do that, when somebody um, says, well, no, I don't have one of those, number one, usually they do, right? So it's, you know, this is the common meme, the joke that all of us know that, you know, no creed but Christ. Oh, well, that happens to be a creed that doesn't exist in the Bible, right? That's you right. know, I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say no creed but Christ, and yet you're willing to say that. So that is a kind of a creed. Um, so everybody has this or uses it and anybody who says they don't, actually, that's kind of dangerous because it means that either you just have assumptions that you just, you're just taking into, um, your reading of the scripture, your, your following after God, your faith, um, that may or may not be biblical, right? They're, they're mm. not stated, so they cannot be examined. Um, and then, you know, uh, On the other side, if you do not have anything um, that any way of summarizing the actual substance of your faith, um, it just seems like that is the common story of most cults Mm. or or, you know, um, different Christian sects that break off of of Orthodox Christianity. And so um, it really is important. Um, as much as some might hear that and think, well, this is just a Roman Catholic thing. This is just you know one of those those um, things that was only true or is only true in a certain kind of Christian tradition, uh, but we don't really need it. it. That's really not true. And when you think about it carefully for even a, a short while, you come to recognize that actually it's it's not possible to go without any kind of a creed.
0: Right. And this idea that we don't need it or shouldn't is actually, I'll get to history, but is out of step with the Bible. We can think about the creedal statements that are in the Bible, right? You can think about Deuteronomy 6, 4, hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. one. Yeah, This This is a creedal statement. What is the statement? What is the 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 section of the gospels that all the synoptic gospels hang around it's peter confessing you are the christ the son of the living god it's viewed as this this is the moment where things in the 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 narrative shifts because the confession yeah. by peter has been made yeah. you can think about um in all, 316s are good to remember john 316 second timothy 316 is about scripture but first timothy 316 is also a good one to remember yeah because it says great indeed we confess the mystery of our religion he was manifest in the flesh vindicated in the spirit seen by angels preached among the nations and believed on in the world and taken up into glory this is this is a statement of what the church confessed and believed in fact this is precisely what John says in his epistle we do to test things by this you know the spirit of God every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh the 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 bible is full of telling us the need to publicly represent our faith in creedal statements right
1: absolutely and and even in saying that so so on a you know, theological level or biblical level, this is something that is already being used, right? It's, it's already, it, it is a part of biblical teaching. Yes. Right. So the very idea of, of creeds is not foreign to the scripture, it's actually all throughout scripture. Right. And then because of that, you also see how these things would develop um, in the post apostolic era. Right. As the apostles have been taking these teachings around, you know, um, not everybody is carrying a Bible around with them. Not everybody is carrying these things around with them. And even if they were like we do today on our phones or whatever, you still need the helpful summaries, the helpful uh, dividing lines of what exactly a Christian is, what exactly we believe, um, how to tell if somebody is in or out, uh, you know, whether or not they are with you or not. Um, this is a helpful way, um, and a really beneficial way of doing that. And so you see that the historical trajectory though, of how these things would have begun to be used and even developed more, um, outside of the, the apostolic
0: era. You, uh, and this is what, and this is, will help us get to where we get the apostles creed, but you Once you think about the position of the early church, you immediately understand the importance of what they called the rule of faith, a creed, a confession. Why? Because they, as Pastor Michael said, they do not have Bibles. They do not all have access even to the full Old Testament canon. They almost certainly in the earliest point in the church have not yet been able to collect the memoirs and the epistles of the apostles and so how when a teacher comes what can they do how do how can they test what this person is saying to them and what we see again it makes sense logically and what we see historically is they tested against the rule of faith that there are these certain central beliefs that we know are true we can memorize easily and when someone comes and speaks to us we will hold up what they're saying against it. Yeah. Um let me let me um give you one quote um from it. So this is from um Irenaeus in Against Heresies. This is a 2nd century text of the early church. And he says the rule of faith is this. In one God the Father Almighty who made the heaven and the earth and the seas and all things that are in them. And in one Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who was made flesh for our salvation, and in the Holy Spirit, who made known through the prophets the plan of salvation, and the coming, and the birth from the Virgin, and the Passion, and the resurrection of the dead, and the bodily ascension into heaven, beloved the Christ Jesus our Lord, and his future appearing in glory of the Father to sum up all things and raise anew the whole flesh of the human race. Right. If you know the Apostles' Creed, you know what I just read. You can hear the differences, but it begins to sound similar to it. There's, There are things about it that sound similar. And in fact, um, Tertullian, a uh, Christian apologist who lived later, even talks about sometimes the difficulty of explaining the Trinity um, to the broader group of Christians was that they were so certain of their belief having left paganism that the rule of faith taught them. There was one God. It was at times difficult to explain to them the father, the son and the spirits relation to each other. Right? Because they're, they don't have John 17. They don't have John one. They don't have all the statements of Christ. They don't have all of these things. And so they simply have the idea of one God. And so they're trying to work that out. And so what you see is you see them testing these things according to um the rule of faith in the early church. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and that's so good. Um, so interestingly, you know, we call it the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and if you don't. You know, have any maybe understanding of how what we now have uh, came into being? Um, it'd be easy to think, well, then this came from the apostles, right? Like this right. came from the apostles, and it, it is interesting to me. It's just an interesting fact of history. That's not true, right? right? We, like it's it's undoubtedly not true. <laughs> However, the, uh, the, there was, there's
0: the the medieval idea was that there were twelve lines, and every apostle added one line to the creed which is yeah
1: so you go back i mean even you know into you know as early as i want to say you know i i don't remember exactly um when he's writing uh, but uh, it is true um that so rufinus um this is almost definitely not how you pronounce his name sorry to all of you pronunciation nerds out there but <laughs> i'm gonna get this one wrong uh, but Rufinus of uh, Aquileia, sorry again. Uh, so he he lived uh, from or at least was writing from 345 to 411 A.D. Um, and he wrote a little commentary on uh, on the creed or you know uh, the Apostles' Creed. And he already at that time, you know, I mean this, you know, that early. Has this idea that you know we have this creed, and it's a little bit different than what we would use today um, in mm-hmm. most of our churches, uh, but very almost the same, right? Very similar, with slight differences. And um, he says, "Well, this did come from the apostles, and that it was before they all left Jerusalem, the mm-hmm. twelve apostles um, came up each with a line." And if you break it down a certain way, there are, you know, 12 lines, basically, um, again, especially with this older version. And so the idea was, look, they wanted to have this, you know, clear articulation of the faith. So each of them came up with one of the lines of this. Now, obviously, even when you hear that, you're like, yeah, that didn't happen. That wouldn't be a
0: <laughs> I, one that wouldn't be a helpful way to write a summary of the Christian faith.
1: It, <laughs> no. Right. No, it's an interesting story. Like it's interesting because of what it says about those who were, you know, thinking that way. Um, right. I think more so than anything. Um but what we can say and why it's perfectly, you know legitimate to refer to this as the Apostles' Creed, is that what we have in the Apostles' Creed, as we have it, is a helpful and clear summary of apostolic teaching, yes. right? it is it is the summary of the apostolic message of god the father and his son and the holy spirit and so because of that i think it's it's very uh, right even that we do refer to it as the apostles creed
0: and this is also one of the reasons it is should not trouble you dear christian when you learn as you most certainly will that it developed over time yes because again go back to the early church So someone has heard the rule of faith from Irenaeus or someone else. Well, he lived in one part of the world. The language, or whether they speak Greek or Latin, these things are not exactly uniform. And But they were seeking to reflect in a unified way the teaching of the apostles. And then we can say, we don't need to be troubled by the fact that the precise language of it changes over time, um, that parts are added or fall out, right? You see Irenaeus in his statement of what the rule of faith is, right? He talks a a little more extensively about all the things God created. Well, the Apostles' Creed today doesn't speak with as much specificity, and that's okay. And this is, again, one of the ways we can—the reason that's okay is because it is precisely not Scripture, We don't have the same freedom to rephrase John's gospel because we think it would be helpful or desire to, because those are God's very words. This is the one of the, this is the longest standing and historic summary of the apostles teaching. And it goes back to at least the generation after them um, in its most proto and early forms. And so, yeah, I think that, this this is quite good. Um, yeah.
1: Should we say too um, you know so it the Apostles Creed is not a, an ecumenical Creed right it's it's actually not um, it, it is not um, something that uh, was used early on by everyone um, even to this day the Eastern Orthodox Church does not recognize it as a as a Creed um, right. not I don't think that they to my knowledge they wouldn't disagree with what it teaches. They just say that it's it's probably unnecessary. Uh, the Nicene Creed is is enough, and the Nicene Creed is an actual ecumenical creed, and obviously with you know a particular understanding that like that does carry a certain infallibility that we would not put on it as Protestants. But but
0: but this is again this is actually in my I want this to be actually an argument for the Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. because what makes the Nicene Creed the Apostles' Creed all these creeds enforceable and we might say authoritative isn't actually that they were declared to be so the apostles creed is authoritative because it so shines forth in such clarity the teaching of the apostles yeah right the fact that no one ever thought we need to declare this authoritative is a sign of its authority this is the similarly with the new testament right when you know when roman catholics especially right say wow oh that where's the scripture right where do you get your list of the books right you get them from us well why didn't why didn't you make that declaration before the 1540s right you did because these aren't things we as men have rights to rule on, right and so so this is perhaps where we come to what it means to say, I believe, right? This is where the creed begins. I believe and each section, the if as we'll explain, as it divides um, somewhat into three sections, each section believes with, I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so this is the final question, because this is the one I was forced to ask myself as I enrolled at RTS. So when we talk about believing in Jesus Christ or believing in the Apostles' Creed, we have a, again, sometimes we we think that it's just super apparent what that means. But I actually think we use the word believe here in English in a number of different ways. Um, so, Pastor Michael, what, how would, how, um, so let me think of a few ways, I, things we might say I believe, right? Someone we might hear, um, I believe in aliens. And that might be a teaser for what will be next week's episode. Um, what would the difference between saying I believe in God the Father and I believe in aliens, what's the difference? How are these similar statements? How are they different statements?
1: Yeah, this is, you know, where we, you know maybe differentiate sometimes um the difference between peer you know intellectual assent mm. of something um and actual trust or or faith as we think of it um so like entrusting yourself to to god um so it is possible to say i believe uh and then to work through something like the apostles creed and simply mean on an intellectual level this is, this is acceptable to me, right? You know, like this, I, I think that this, it makes logical sense or something like that. Yeah. Um, yes, this is, you know, uh, what it seems like the Bible teaches, but it, to stop on that particular level of merely the intellect, mm. um, whereas, you know, the, the idea of professing or confessing um, your faith by using something like the, the Apostles' Creed, um, is it it has that element right? There's an intellectual element um, Yes for sure. There is also a declarative element. Um, mm. uh, you know, a a y- you are stating you you are publicly recognizing or or making it clear to the world to those around you um, what it is that that you believe. But there is also the actual um, personal element of faith or trust. Um, and trusting yourself uh, to the Lord uh, by saying, no, this is, right? This is the truth, Um, not just uh, as a cold, distant fact that's outside of me, uh, but no, like this is actually everything, right? This is the whole of of the truth um, in summary form or in seed form um, as we're declaring God. And even as Matt said." I mean, the, the confession is really broken up, in a sense, into, right, you say, I believe in God, and God then being defined as Father, Son, and Spirit, right? So this is, it's, you know, it, it's not just what you believe, it's also who you believe. So before we close, we thought it would be good to actually read the Apostles' Creed. So here it is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge both the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't. Share this with somebody in your life who says, no creed but Christ so that they can learn a little bit about the Apostles' Creed. If you want to dig a little bit deeper, I'd highly recommend uh, the, the resource, um, uh, the history of creeds and confessions. I Maybe I'm getting that uh, a little bit wrong, but um, it's a book I just read recently um, and it's, it's just really, really helpful. Uh, also, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. We're so close. We're so close to the 200 mark and want to get there. We'll see you next week.